The genesis for this day was a group of people who were convened before Sheila Woods and I arrived to examine things that we could do in our church to increase attendance and participation. And as we met with that group, Jim Bell was the convener for that group, and as we met with that group, one of the things that was suggested was that we do a state of the church report. And so we appreciate all who've had a part in this this morning, and we're expanding it just a bit to call it a vision as well as a report. And I referred a while ago to this document, and I hope you'll get one of these. Make sure you get one of these uh, before you leave this morning. A beginning place for us, of course, was to affirm that Dauphin Way has embraced as its mission making disciples who make a difference. And that mission statement was adopted before Sheila Woods or I arrived, and I've thought about how did you come to embrace such a statement. And one of the things that immediately came to my mind was that Dauphin Way is made up of people who believe you should make a difference in life and people who do make a difference. But more fundamental than that, I believe, is the conviction of the church that making disciples is the most important thing we can possibly do. That of all the things we might make, church members, religious people, volunteers, servants, leaders, the most important thing of all is to make disciples of Jesus Christ, that that is fundamental. And further, the conviction that one who is a disciple is one who will make a difference, that part of being a disciple is that we make a difference in the world. In that vision for who we are, we draw energy and inspiration from Jesus who came into Galilee after John was arrested, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. As we examine that text this morning, the thing that uh, we notice most immediately is that this was not the most ideal of times nor the most ideal of places. Two weeks ago, we read and pondered and reflected upon John's baptism of Jesus. And here we are two weeks later, John has been arrested. John the Baptist was a beloved leader of the people. He himself was a visionary. And the people followed him as he followed the one who came after him. John was a sign of hope for the people, and now John was in prison. And so, in a sense, it is the worst of times. John has been arrested. And not only that, Jesus comes into Galilee, and Galilee is not the most promising of places. It is on the margin. It is on the periphery. It is not the center of life and culture and influence. It is an out-of-the-way place where the people are sometimes suspect. But it is to this place, and it is in this time that Jesus comes proclaiming the good news of God. The truth is, of course, there is never a perfect time. There is never a perfect place to do God's work. There are always obstacles, there are always challenges, there are always discouragements. It is so in our time as in all times. There there are no perfect people, there is no perfect church. There are no perfect preachers, 
we all struggle with imperfection. And the news is often bad. And some of what I will share with you this morning is less than positive. And yet amid that bad news, Jesus had the audacity to say, the time is fulfilled, the time is now, the time is full of possibilities, the kingdom of God is at hand, it is close enough for you to recognize it. In the ancient world, for someone to be at hand was for them to be approaching and to be close enough that you could recognize that it's Joe or Jill or Martin or or Mallory. You know who they are. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is close enough for you to recognize it. It's close enough for you to see it. Believe the good news. Repent. Change directions. Change your orientation. Stop living as if the bad news is all there is and believe the good news. Believe in the possibilities that are yours because the kingdom has come near. Now is the time to do God's will on earth as in heaven. The kingdom is near. Sisters and brothers, we are called to proclaim that message to our community and to our world. There is an abundance of bad news. There are many things about which we are concerned and should be concerned. But our conviction is that there is another reality with which we must reckon, and that is the reality of God's kingdom. It is the truth that God is not absent, that God is up to something in and through his people. And we are a part of that. And it is ours to proclaim the message. The time is now. The kingdom is near. Believe the good news. We are called for Jesus and we are called by Jesus. As he walked along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew casting their nets, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of people. Going farther, he saw James and John, the sons of Zebedee, in the boat with their father mending their nets and immediately he called them. These are the ordinary people to which Kathy referred in her wonderful prayer this morning. Simon and Andrew are casting their net and in the original language the imagery is so wonderful they are not just casting haphazardly they are casting with great care with great intention with great precision this is their job this is their work this is what they do this is who they are. And so they are carefully casting the net, fulfilling their role as fishermen. And James and John are in the boat with their father. Clarence Jordan used to say that uh, Simon and Andrew were still fishing because they'd fished all night and hadn't caught anything. James and John had caught their fish, and they were mending the nets. They, they, were, they were good, and so they had time to mend the nets. And, and uh, Simon and Andrew were still fishing because they hadn't caught anything. I don't know about that, but... James and John are are mending the nets. They are taking care of those things that are essential to their vocation. And Jesus finds them doing the very thing they do every day. There's nothing exceptional about this. This is who they are. This is what they do. And Jesus says to them, follow me. And this is the very definition of discipleship. A disciple is a student but not a student in the normal sense of the word as someone who goes to class and takes notes and takes an exam or reads a book. A student 
A disciple student is one who literally follows the teacher, lives with the teacher, goes where the teacher goes, does what the teacher does, seeks not just to learn what the teacher has to say, but to, to embody the very spirit of the teacher, to become like the teacher. And Jesus says to these, if you will follow me, I will make you become what you are to be. I will help you to become the very ones that you have the potential to be. You may not see it yet, but it's there, and I will help you to realize it. I will cause you, he says, to fish for people. You will move in your vocation from your own self-interest and your own survival to become those who care for others, who are involved in the life of others, who give life to others. And again, in the original language, the sense is not that they're going to have some nets or some hooks by which they're going to capture people, but that folks will be drawn to them simply because of who they are. And they will become the very ones God made them to be. And that, again, is our message. Is that people are made for God. That people are created for God's glory and for God's love and grace and compassion. And it is ours to help them find their true identity as we find our own. They followed him. They immediately followed him. And they became people who made a difference. What kind of difference did they make? Well, look around. Look around. We are here. We are part of the difference they made. What about us? How faithfully are we following Christ? How well are we living into the mission of making disciples who make a difference? Well, it all begins with our own discipleship, doesn't it? If I would do anything to that mission statement, I might add these words. Our mission is to be disciples who make disciples who make a difference because it begins with our being disciples. So what about our discipleship? Well, as best we can tell, we have 1,702 resident members of Dauphin Way. There are some more who live away so that our total membership is something over 2,000. But as best we can tell, there are about 1,700 people who live near enough that we can call them resident members. And the question, of course, becomes is out of those members, out of those 1,700 members, how many are disciples? And I would not try to answer that question. I'm not the judge of that. One sign of that is that we have 670 people on average in worship every day. Sunday. That's our annual average for 2017, 670. That is 39% of our membership. And that is just about on par with the national average. The national average is that about 39 to 40% of church members attend church regularly. And so we're just about average on that. That is particularly true of churches that are plateaued or declining. 
The amazing thing is that churches that are growing rapidly, many of those churches, most of those churches, and we have a couple of churches like that in our annual conference, those churches have more people in worship than they have on their roll, more people attending than on their membership roll. We are somewhat average in that. Well, what about learning? How are we doing? We have an average of 187 people in Sunday school last year. We had a total of 485 people who were in other learning groups. Small groups. Many of our young people are in small groups that meet in their homes. They meet weekly. We have Bible studies such as the one that uh, we lead on Wednesday night and other Bible studies that we have during the week and discipleship groups. There were a total of 485 people in those groups. Now, I must admit to you that some folks were counted twice. Some of these 485, 485 is the number who showed up total. And some of those were counted more than once because we really can't, we haven't tracked it well enough to know the actual number. What about giving? We have 500 families, approximately 500 families, who contribute regularly to Dauphin Way. As best we can tell, about 500 families. The average contribution, the average family contribution to Dauphin Way Church is $4,362 annually. Average of about $4,362. Of course, that would mean that if all of these families were tithing, if all of the families were meeting the biblical standard of 10% of their income, then the average family income for Dauphin Way members would be $43,620. I don't know about that. Do you? Well, what about serving? How well are we doing serving? There are a total of 512 people serving internally for Dauphin Way. What we mean by that is there are 512 people who are a part of things like Sunday school, the choir, ushers, um, helping with uh, Wednesday night meals and, and, and serving in leaders of small groups and so forth. 512 people. Again, some people were counted twice. Some people do many things, and so they were counted more than once in this total. But of that 512, we figure, as best we can tell, there were 21,327 hours of time given for Dauphin Way by its members. And listen to this number. There are a total of 593 people who are serving the community through Dauphin Way for a total of 40,200 hours. That is an astonishing number. Again, some of those are counted twice, 593, serving the community 40,200 hours. I think that it is noteworthy that we are doing more for others than we are for ourselves. That is amazing. The total would be 1,105 people serving for a total of 61,527 hours. At minimum wage, that would be worth $446,071. That's the value if you put it in monetary terms, minimal monetary, monetary terms of the hours that are invested here. 
What about the, the business of making disciples? Well, we had 38 new disciples, 38 persons who came to Christ for the first time last year. And that includes our confirmation class. That means that it took 45 of us to make one new disciple. Of course, discipleship is more than just coming to Christ for the first time. Discipleship is a long-term, lifelong process. And here it is more difficult to measure. Who among us are the disciples? Who of those 1,702 people are disciples? Well, the best marker we have for discipleship in the New Testament are those fruits of the Spirit that Paul mentions in Galatians. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And here I admit to being subjective. I admit even to being partisan. But I must tell you that when I look at Dauphin Way, I see an abundance of these fruits of the Spirit. And that says to me that someone somewhere in the past, before I arrived, has done a good job of making disciples. And many people have entered into that life faithfully and fully and with commitment and with discipline and with intention. There is great compassion in this congregation. There is great joy in this congregation. It is palpable and it is wonderful and it is, a, it is a sign that we are disciples. Well, are we making a difference? The elderly are fed, the homeless are housed, Refugees are helped and encouraged. Families of children with special needs are given respite and support. Widows and widowers are given encouragement. Caregivers of family members with dementia are given encouragement. The poor receive assistance and encouragement both locally and throughout the region through our contributions to our United Methodist Connectional Ministries. Prisoners receive practical training and encouragement in spiritual matters. Students receive scholarships. Orphans here and abroad and families in crisis receive assistance, encouragement, and guidance. College and campus ministries are supported. Missionaries are supported. I could go on and on. You get the point. Are we making a difference? Yes, we are. And I would even go so far as to say this. I've been a preacher for 43 years, and I've served several congregations, and I've been a district superintendent, and I've never seen a church that made more of a difference than Dauphin Way United Methodist Church. I've never seen a church that on a per capita basis made more of a difference than this congregation. Because you see, that does, what, what I just listed, that doesn't include all the things you do that are not even a part of the official program of the church. Are we making a difference? Yes, we are. And I would say to you that the state of the church is strong, strong in that matter. In fact, I would say to you that as I look at, at, at Dauphin Way, and we have some diversity here. We have old people and young people and, and, and 
people in the middle and and we have folks who like contemporary worship and folks who like uh, traditional worship. There's some differences there among us in terms of our taste and s- some, some things of that nature. But the one thing that it seems to me that I've observed so far, the one thing that is common to us all is a conviction that being a disciple means that we help our neighbor. And I see that throughout the congregation. And that is a strong, strong value. So, we're doing well. Can we do better? Yes, I think so. And I would close by sharing this vision with you. And I begin by affirming that the core vision, the most important vision of all, is that of being disciples and making disciples who make a difference. That of all the things we can do, of all the things we can be, nothing is more important than our sanctification, than our growing in grace, than our becoming the very ones that God has made us to be. Of our following Jesus and becoming more like him in our affections, in our attitudes, in our actions. That matters more than anything else. And for me, that will always be at the top of the list of priorities. That whatever we do, it should serve that end. In terms of measurable things, I would offer this. And I've thought about this. I've prayed about this. I've worked on this sermon for weeks. I've been working on it for months, actually. Lots of conversations with my colleagues. But I settled on this, and I would offer it to you. For the year 2018, I would have us, I would have a vision of our growing 5%, by 5% in every aspect of our church. If we grew by 5%, then in 2018, our average worship attendance, total attendance would be 703. If we grew by 5%, our Sunday school would be approximately 200. Other learning groups would be approximately 475 if we grew by 5%. I would challenge us to grow our giving by 5%, to grow the average family contribution by 5%, to increase the number of families giving by 5%, and that would be 25 families, 25 additional families giving that are not giving now, that our serving would grow by the total amount of people serving grow by 5%, that would be 55 more people. One of the things we heard in those neighborhood meetings that we had, one of the things we heard consistently was we need more volunteers. We have so many volunteers, but we have so many ministries. And some of the folks who were so faithful in being part of many things said we need more folks helping with these ministries. Grow by 5%, that's 55 more new people. Making new disciples, we would grow by 5%. That would mean we would make two more disciples in 2018 than we made in 2017. Now, I don't think that's enough. That's the one place where I say 5% is not enough. We ought to be more like 20% or maybe even 200% on that one. Or 50% or 500%. You say, well, that's a very modest vision. It is a very modest vision. And here's the reason it's modest. 
It is because I am convinced that one of the things we need to do in 2018 is to spend some more time taking stock of ourselves, of visiting again who we are and why we're here. Who we are and why we're here. Of clarifying our vision, not as a preacher, but as a congregation. Of understanding more clearly what are our core values. What is our vision? What is our mission? And how can we best order the life of our church to achieve what we believe is God's mission for us? To that end, I am going to be creating a, a team, a discernment team, that will work on understanding more clearly who are we and what is God calling us to do. And I know already that many of the things we will recognize is that God is calling us to do many of the things we're doing. But is there a way we can do them better? Are there places where we can grow? And I'm inviting you to nominate someone to be on that team. Now let me say the team is going to be a pretty robust effort. We're going to spend at least six hours a month meeting together, learning, loving, and leading figuring out who we are and what God is calling us to do, practicing covenant together. And I would invite you to invite one person that you believe has the gifts and graces to be on that team and nominate that person and let me know by in person, either by calling me or visiting with me or emailing me the person that you would recommend. And I would say that the person you nominate needs to be someone who doesn't have an agenda. We don't need anybody with any preconceived agendas. We don't need anybody who already knows what we need to do and just waiting for a chance to tell us. We need folks who are open-minded and willing to learn and willing to grow and willing to figure this out with us. And so if you would nominate someone, let me know who that is by February 18th. And we'll be creating that team and bringing it together to work together. What else can you do? You can pray. I ask you to pray. I'd briefly share with you my own prayer. You will remember that we um, ask you to um, fast, to give up something, and to pray in preparation for this day. As I thought about that, the thing that struck me for myself was... I am virtually addicted to the news. And now that I have a cell phone that has a constant news feed from the networks and the media, I found myself spending every spare moment checking the news. And I decided I don't need to be doing that so much. And I endeavored to give it up, to go cold turkey, not look at it. And I will tell you, it was hard to do with this impending government shutdown. And I mostly did it. I didn't do it completely, but I mostly did it. 
And whenever I would stop myself, I would pause and offer a prayer for this good church. Pray for Dauphin Way. Pray for this team. Participate. Be a part. Give. Our budget is a bare-bones budget, folks. We are funding our ministries at an absolute minimal level. We need to do better. Serve. And many of you do serve. The other day when we asked you to stand, if you volunteer for anything, most of you stood. We thank you for that. But if you're not serving, find a place and serve. We'll help you find it. And then finally, nominate someone you believe would be a good candidate for this process. It is a joy to be here. We are making a difference. God has put us here for this season. And aren't we glad? May the Lord continue to give us every grace that we can live into the fullness of life as made possible, as defined, as willed by the one who said to those fishermen, follow me and I will make you become the very ones you are made to be. May it be so. Amen.